He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. 1 John 2, 4-6 Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website is scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth, which is 100% listener supported. Today we are resuming our study in the book of Romans. We're ready for chapter 12 today. Now, up to this point... Paul has just been making it very, very clear how salvation works, how it's by grace, how God chose you from the foundation of the world. He explains how the Gentile Christian and the Jewish Christian are are in the same tree, the Jew being the root, but the unbelieving Jews were cut off, and the Gentiles who did accept Messiah were grafted in. And he's been reminding us over and over, this is not something that you can earn. It's a gift given by God to whom he has chosen to give it to. And it is not of yourself. However, for the greasy gracers out there, Paul's to, in this chapter 12, Paul's about to explain what it looks like what your behavior should look like in light of this good news. I often say we don't work to earn salvation, we work as a result of salvation. And I believe that he's going to make that point. This morning I read to you to start the broadcast from 1 John. could have picked any number of verses but I chose chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. John says, look, if you say I know him, you say I know Jesus, I know Christ, I know Messiah, but you don't obey the things that he said, you're a liar then. (laughs) And the truth is not in you. But whoever keeps his word, verily is the love of God perfected, hereby we know that we are in him. If you say you abide in Christ and you ought to walk as he walked. I could have went to the book of James. He says, I'll show you by my faith by what I do. You want to know what I believe? Observe my behavior. Observe my actions. Now, if you haven't picked up on it already this morning, uh, I'm going to be hammering that home pretty hard today. The chapter we're getting ready to start is only 20 verses, or 21 verses, but I'm going to be taking it pretty much verse by verse this morning. And I can tell you that I feel convicted, personally, when I observe my own life. You see, we are are to examine ourselves daily. 
We are to examine ourselves and make sure we're in the faith. Let's have a look at the scriptures and let the scriptures speak for themselves. But yes, I am going to be talking a little bit this morning more than usual as we address what Paul is saying very, very clearly. So while he was very, very clear about how salvation works, how, how justification works, he's going to be very, very clear about what your service to God should look like. Let's have a look. Let's begin. The book of Romans, chapter 12. Verse 1, the very first word is, therefore, which means in light of everything that I've told you up to this point, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That's verse 1. King James says, your reasonable service. Paul says, you need to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Like, God showed you all this grace and mercy that was unearned, undeserved. You didn't choose God. God chose you. So therefore, in light of that, it's reasonable for you to give yourself, present yourself as a living sacrifice to God. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? It's... I'm giving up things that I want because they're not godly. I'm giving up behaviors because they don't honor God. I'm giving up certain friends because I don't like who I become when I'm with them. I'm giving, do you understand? You're a living sacrifice. The study Bible here says this, and I thought it was good, so I'm going to read it to you. It says, under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, God accepted the sacrifice of animals. But because of Christ's ultimate sacrifice, those services are no longer in effect. For those in Christ, the only acceptable worship is to offer themselves completely to the Lord under God's control the believer's yet unredeemed body can and must be yielded to him as an instrument of righteousness. Amen. That's verse 1. Let's continue on verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed to this world. One of my biggest frustrations with the modern church is it seems its stance is we need to be relevant to bring people in. We need to be, right? We need to have the same trendy things going on that the world enjoys but the problem is, is the lost person comes in, you're just like them. 
There's no distinguishing non-believer and believer because behaviors are the same. You're conformed to the same attitudes, to the same way of talking, the language that you use, the same, you're watching the same filth on Netflix, right? There's no difference. And the lost person leaves just as lost and dead as they were when they walked in. There's no power in what you're doing because you haven't set yourself apart. You're conformed to this world. Paul's saying you need to give your body as a living sacrifice and do not be conformed, but you need to be transformed. See, everybody wants the salvation, the free salvation offered by the death and resurrection of Christ. But they don't want the transformation. But here's the thing. You don't get one without the other. Either you're being renewed and transformed and sanctified or you're not. You don't get salvation without transformation. And if you haven't been transformed, then you haven't been saved. If your faith hasn't changed you, it hasn't saved you. Be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you do, that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So he makes the points. But then he says, but don't examine yourself and think, I'm doing pretty good. Don't start thinking highly of yourself. You start thinking higher of yourself than you ought, um, you're in the wrong frame of mind. And understand that we've all been given a measure of faith. The faith you have, according to what I'm seeing here, is based on what measure of faith God has given you. I often pray, Lord, give me a greater measure of faith. Help me, Lord. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. He's given us each a measure of faith, so don't judge your brother over there or your sister over there, especially if they're new to the faith. They got to walk with God for a while. Right? Like, the person who's been walking with God for six months ought not to be the same as the person who's been walking with God for 30 years. And if you guys are the same, then shame on the person who's been walking with God for 30 years if you haven't grown. And don't be getting all high and mighty and feeling so confident. It, 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 this comes with humility. Charles Spurgeon says, when you feel yourself to be utterly unworthy... You have hit the truth. Let me read that again. When you feel yourself to be utterly unworthy, you have hit the truth. Verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. He's referring to the fact that we've all been given a different measure of faith. Likewise, we all have a different role. Some of you are fingers, some of you are hands, some of you are arms. It's, he's using the body as a picture. We all 
have a role to play, but we play different roles based on the gifts that God has given us and the measure of faith that he has given us. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his servicing, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberty, liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Hang on. Before I get there, let's go back to spiritual gifts real quick. We've all been given different talents. And hopefully you're able to identify the gifts that God has given you. And sometimes it helps to have other people tell you what those gifts are. Um, people around you. There's assessments that you can take. I've taken them. Um, and they're usually pretty accurate. The most recent one I did, I did while I was in a college class. I forget what it was for. I don't know if it was uh, Christian leadership or I really can't remember, but and maybe it was a theology class. I've taken so many theology classes that I, I can't even keep them all straight. But when I took it, mine was teaching and mercy, um, which are pretty, pretty close to what I would have, I picked what I would have said about myself Uh, But then I'm really lacking in some of the other, like even faith, believe it or not. And so some people have been given this great measure of faith. Like they just, you know, they're just always confident. They just always believe. Well, God has given them that measure of faith as part of their spiritual gift. Probably to strengthen and exhort people around them. Some people, you know, you wouldn't want them teaching a Sunday school class to children. But they're really good at hospitality. They're really good at caring for their brothers and sisters and open up their homes and preparing food for them. And we've all been given a portion. And we need to take whatever that gift is and honor God with it, with everything that we do. Some people were given the, 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 the ability to exhort one another, to lift one another up. Some people are great leaders and they need to be leading people into the truth. So, part of the point that Paul's making is, you know, don't think of yourself higher than other people. We've all been given a measure of faith by God, and likewise, we've all been given different gifts. And we all have a role to play in this body. Some people are like, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? I get comments like that all the time. You should be talking about that. You should be talking. This is the portion that God has given me to teach the Bible. And occasionally he gives me a word, a, 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 I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would even call it a prophetic word, but maybe you would call it that. But the main gift that God has given me is to just teach the Bible. And so I'm doing my best to use that gift, the measure that he has given me, and that's what I'm doing. 
There may be some of you out there who are great evangelists, so go and evangelize. What is it that God has given you? Like I said, you may need to... Sometimes we're, we just get, the, mud, the water gets so murky and the enemy's just trying to blind us from what, is, what God has called us to do and we need to sometimes spend some time praying and fasting and asking God for wisdom about it and we need to get counsel from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who, who have observed us for many years and to, to sometimes identify what that is. All right, let's move on to verse 9 here. Okay, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. We already talked about that. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. This is another issue within Christians today. Christians today do not abhor what is evil. In many cases, they are conformed to what is evil and enjoy it. I mentioned earlier, they're watching the same filth on TV, on Netflix, that the world is watching. Same garbage, filled with filthy language, filled with sexual immorality, filled with godlessness. Oh, but it's okay, grace, right? You're to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Christians today do not abhor what is evil. What does it mean to abhor what is evil? It means to detest. To utterly detest means to abhor. Detest. You know, what's interesting is the Greek word is apostugio. Apostugio. It's got that apost word in it. Abhor what is evil. And cling. What's it mean to cling? Cling. Grasps hardly to what is good. Verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference not to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Prayer. Spiritual discipline. Not something that's really taught in the church anymore, is it? You're not going to hear too many sermons on spiritual discipline, being spiritually disciplined, or presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. It's like, we're going to teach most of Romans, but we're going to leave out the parts where Paul says your behavior ought to mimic what you believe. Right? It's like... Just live your best life. You're saved. You've got the fire insurance. You know, go ahead and do the exact same things that the world is doing. You know, let's be relevant to them. We're almost done here. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. There's a tough one. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. 
be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. (laughs) By the way, these are all attitudes about how you interact with your fellow brother and sister in Christ. And let me just tell you, the don't be wise in your own estimations thing, most aren't getting that. Most aren't getting that. From what I can see, most people are just brilliant in their own eyes. Sometimes I read things that get sent to me, and I think, man, if I knew half of what this person thinks they know, I'd be King Solomon. I mean, it's absurd sometimes. Humility. Don't be haughty. Continuing on. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is chapter 12, my friends. It's it's a short one. And chapter 13 goes along with it, but I want to just keep them separate for the purpose of our study this morning. Hopefully, you've been challenged, strengthened, encouraged, convicted. My hope and my prayer is always that your hearts would be pierced and that this podcast would cause you to draw closer to God. Romans 12, that's one to that's one to read over and over. Over and over and over. And uh, I, by myself, admittedly find it convicting. And it should convict us all, because none of us are perfect. And we all have some things that Paul addresses here that we could do better. All right, I've done enough talking for this morning. I pray you've been blessed in the powerful name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those of you who pray for me. Thank you for those of you who pray for the podcast. And those of you who financially support it. Couldn't do this without you. Thanks for listening. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.